Welcome in to the All Things Bama podcast, powered by BamaCentral.com, your sports illustrated home for all Crimson Tide athletics. I'm your host, Tyler Martin, joined by John Garcia, Jr., Sports Illustrated All-American Football Recruiting Director on this special edition of the show, uh, the Christmas edition. John, hope you're having a good holiday, spending some time with family, and uh, a little bit, talking a little bit about Alabama recruiting, who just got a very special present in Kamar Wheaton on, uh, on Christmas Eve Eve. Yeah, it took a little bit longer than, than maybe some expected, but certainly uh, Alabama fans will take it. This is a dynamic running back prospect, another Texan prospect that's six in this class. Uh, the, the two states that have fed Alabama the most to this point are, are Texas and Florida. And if you're building a national championship roster, which Alabama is doing seemingly every recruiting class, Texas and Florida are, are not a bad pair of states to, to lead the way with. Um, but Wheaton himself, just a dynamic running back prospect, one of the fastest running backs we've seen on tape in this class of 2021, really can go from zero to 60. And really the only other guy in the conversation for us at SIL American for the number one running back spot compared to him as well as Trevion Henderson. Really for us, it's them two, and then there's a bit of a gap before the next wave of elite running back prospects. So a top 10 overall prospect, um, again, a guy who can, who can play on all three downs, who can probably help you in the return game. I think he's 10-6 in the 100-meter dash. Um, but he's also not just a speed guy. You know, he's got some speed to power. He's shifty in the open field. Uh, but, but he's really a one-cut cat, which is something that Alabama prioritizes in the recruiting process. So the fit is strong there. The need is strong, right? No running backs committed to this point. So you were kind of wondering, was Alabama going to move on from that position in 2021? Um, you know, Armani Goodwin was there. Deshaun Morrell was there. Jalen White. A bunch of in-state backs were available late in the game, and you didn't quite see Bama make a move for any of them. So that probably should have been our first indication that, hey, this Kamar Wheaton thing isn't just a hat on the table type of process um, and obviously Oklahoma was was the leader in the clubhouse for quite some time and it sounds like Kamar sort of admitted that when he made the announcement very late uh, into uh, Wednesday night or Thursday morning that it was basically the toughest decision he had to make and, and he had to consider every allotment of available time before picking the Crimson Tide and, and it's an interesting trend right you know Jace McClellan was an Oklahoma commitment until signing day last year so <laughs> Uh, Alabama's been a thorn in Oklahoma's side, not just, you know, in the college football playoff, uh, but certainly in recruiting in their strongest base, which is, of course, the state of Texas. So, once again, this this number one class just got that much better. And it's getting to the point where if, if Bama adds another prospect or two, I, I don't know if Ohio State can catch them for the top class, even with the JT Tuimolo-Owls, Race John Davises of the world still unsigned. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to get into, John. It's like, I mean, how much does Lincoln Riley and this Oklahoma coaching staff, how much do I mean, are they frustrated by Coach Saban and, and, and you know, in the Alabama coaching staff? You know, Jeff Banks is a guy who um, recruits that Texas area, and he's done a phenomenal job. And it's like, you know, you look at what Jason McCollum, even in the time that he's gotten in this year for Alabama, right? You know, it's been garbage time, but, but he's looked as good as advertised. Um, and now that they come in there last second, they get Kamar Wheaton. It's like, I mean, Lincoln Riley and them, they've got to be frustrated. And then, too, I mean, right, I mean, Texas in general, like, 
you know, you think of the University of Texas, the Longhorns, um, they they were they were in the early process uh, of with, with Wheaton. They were in the early, but they were soon, you know, um, you know, marked off. But it's it's almost like I mean, this state of Texas for Alabama. I mean, it's unfair how well Alabama recruits this state. I mean, the Brockermeyer twins, Blackshire, uh, Wheaton. And uh, it's just, I mean, it, it's remarkable when you think about what Alabama does outside of the state of Alabama. And, look, the blueprint is there. You know, to, to win a national title, you cannot be a regional recruiting power. You need to be a national recruiting power, regardless of if you're in the state of Florida or in Alabama or Georgia, Ohio, California, Texas. Regardless of where your base is, you need to recruit on a national scale. I mean, it's just proven. I mean, look at – Look at this Alabama roster, the superstars of this roster. Not a ton from, from within state lines. Mac Jones from Florida, Najee Harris, California, Devontae Smith, Louisiana. Um, it's just a, a natural progression to what recruiting has become in this day and age. And, and look, Texas is always important regardless of, of which national program you are, whether you're talking Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, USC. Texas has always been big for those national title-type programs when they hit hit their apex. Uh, and, again, Alabama has long prioritized the state. You mentioned Jeff Banks. He's doing a heck of a job. Carl Scott has some ties in the state of Texas. Um, Charles Huff, obviously, with a running back a prospect, is, is going to be in on this. Uh, everybody knows his recruiting prowess at this point. Uh, and that stuff is by design. And, and it's a far cry, Tyler, from when these young younger, I should say, assistants were first assembled – a lot of Bama fans were like, who are these guys? You know, how do we know things are going to stay the same? Because if you remember before that, it was just so much turnover because of all of the Alabama assistants getting head coaching jobs, whether you're talking Kirby Smart, Jeremy Pruitt, uh, all these offensive coordinators heading off to either the NFL or, or other big-time head coaching gigs in college. There was a lot of question marks about this young core of recruiters, and obviously over the last couple of cycles, <laughs> no Bama fans are curious about it. Um, it makes the most sense. Saban prioritized that sort of Texas to Alabama corridor. They always have ties in Florida, and you know with the success of, of Tua, Najee, and some of these West Coast guys, they're always going to be able to dip their toes out west. But really that, that staff assembly with Banks and that group was about that Texas to Louisiana corridor uh, and it's obviously paid off. Bama has made inroads in all of those states and really can go anywhere in the country for an elite kid and go toe-to-toe with, with anybody. And, and this number one class is further proof of that. So the last time we talked, um, you know, we, we we haven't talked since the early signing period. And in Alabama, ultimately, we talked about the fireworks for Wheaton, but there were some other fireworks flipping two LSU guys in, in Keanu Talc and JoJo Earl. Of the three most recent Alabama commitments, JoJo – Keanu, and then Kamar Wheaton, John, who do you think is going to prove, I mean, just in your assessment, when we think of this class, who is going to be that, that late guy that's like, okay, this guy ends up being a difference maker, um, you know, in, in his Alabama career, potentially? That's a great question. I mean, two of these guys are SI-99 prospects, and Wheaton, who's our number two running back, and Earl, who who we had as a top ten running back and slot receiver. <laughs> you know, we, we really went back and forth on what position to rank him at. You know, we don't believe in ranking prospects as athletes. We believe we need to peg them out of position, but that doesn't mean some guys are harder to rank. And JoJo Earl has legitimately strong production as a running back and receiver 
in the state of Texas, so Alito High School, which is the same school as Chase McClellan, actually. Um, so I think his versatility as a running back, return man, slot receiver could maybe get him on the field first between, you know, those three. You know, we'll see what that Alabama backfield looks like post Najee Harris, you know, starting in, in 2021. But I think it could take some time for one lead back to emerge from that group. And then with, with Keanu Cott, I think the pedigree is there. You know, this kid had 12 sacks this year in a condensed season in, in the state of Florida at a very good program in Vero Beach. Uh, but he's a little lean, probably 225 right now. I think he's going to have to add some weight um, before he's becoming effective consistently in the SEC, even just as a supplemental rusher uh, on third down uh, or what have you. So I think Earl's skill set gets him on the field first, whether it's a, as a returner, as a reserve receiver, even as a, a jet sweep gadget type of player. He's just simply that explosive. But uh, with the speed of Kamar Wheaton and the, and the speed rushing ability of Cole, I'm not, I'm not betting against them either. Like you mentioned, this Bama class was all, already very strong, and these last three guests over the last week, right, Wednesday to Wednesday, have been about as ideal as it gets, both at positions of need and with pure talent. Bama needed a running back. It always wants another pass rusher. And then, you know, after the – after Jalen Waddle's rise, you you need that gadget guy, um, and and Earl can be a Jalen Waddle who can also run the ball a little bit more comfort comfortably. So uh, I think all of that is very welcome for Alabama, and and, and I think it's going to be hard to figure out which one sees the field first or has the highest ceiling uh, in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, and, and let's go ahead and get into some more you know superlative superlative of of this class, um, John. When we think of biggest gets, you know, who comes to your mind in this class? Who was that guy that, you know, because last year, I mean, we had Bryce Young, you know, he was considered the, really the, the crown jewel. Who is the crown jewel in your mind in the Crimson Tide's 2021 group? It's the bookend tackles. Uh, J.C. Latham, Tommy Brockermeyer. You can go Brockermeyer first, Latham second. Um, however you slice it, you know, these two tackles are special. Um, in any other class, they would each be the number one tackle, but they're in the same class. So there's a bit of a round robin going on right now. We have Brockermeyer over Latham. Latham has closed that gap, uh, you know, throughout the 2020 season um, at IMG Academy. They're both just the prototypes, both six, six or better, both right around 300 pounds. Um, and, and they both carry it very, very well. Um, so these are our physical specimens with prototype frames um, but they're not just projects. You watch them play, and they both have that, oh, he's going to play very early kind of a skill set, just like we said about Evan Neal, just like we said about Jonah Williams, just like we said about Alex Leavenwood, uh, Jedrick Will. They, they, they have this combination of size and athleticism um, at that position where you're combating pass rushers where, you know, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to see these guys as – as the bookend tackles for Alabama, maybe together, you know, maybe Brockermeyer at left, Latham at right, or vice versa. You know, that's, that's how good both of these prospects are. And, you know, that's really the position where it's been a little more up and down in terms of recruiting uh, on the offensive line. I, I think they haven't put together a strong offensive line class in several years, but this group, Latham, Brockermeyer, and, and we know we know they could be adding to it, but Terrence Ferguson is a legitimate uh, interior prospect. We talked about the, those two tackles as 
bookend tackle types. And then James Brockermeyer, one of the best centers in this country, and one of the guys whose floor is maybe the highest in this class in terms of what he is today versus what he needs to be in the SEC, there's not a big gap there. Physically, he's there. Mentally, he's definitely there. He's, you know, his coach told me of the Brockermeyer twins, James is the one you want in the alley with you, you know. So if you're, if you're looking for maybe a Lander Dickerson replacement, at least in terms of mentality, Brockermeyer, James Brockermeyer feels that. So I think not only are the two bookend tackles the crown jewels of the class, but I think this offensive line group is not only the best in the country, but it is going to have a lot of players who see the field consistently over, over the next four years. And, and you know, that's, that's a saving staple in recruiting. You want to basically bring in an entire offensive line, and we know that's, that's part of the goal, and that mission has been accomplished to this point. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the defensive side of the ball for mine, John. Um, I, I think I think Kool Aid Kool Aid was, was such a big deal just because of you know his his raw athleticism and the ability you know to to be the, you know that saving you know that prototype saving corner um, and the fact that he was in your backyard you had to get him and, and, and you were able to do that. I, I think I think Kool Aid in my opinion you know he has that potential to end up being the crown jewel and you know kind of. Um, you know, a leader in, in, in this class. Look, nobody's going to bet against him when it comes to – look, this is the thing. When you're when you're talking to Alabama, this class right now has 11 SI-99 guys. So you could really isolate any one of those guys and say, hey, look, this is the guy. I mean, I was – I almost said Dallas Turner. I mean, I, I – obviously, you know, COVID is a thing this year, so I stayed in, the, in my home state of Florida for the entire football season. So I got a very good look at Dallas Turner, and he might be the best prospect I saw on the field this fall, uh, just in terms of the position he plays and the ability to which he plays, you know, an elite, elite pass rusher. Uh, but, look, nobody's going to bet against Kool-Aid. You know, I think his final month, month and a half of the 2020 season, you're talking getting into the playoffs, playing in the state playoffs, the state championship game, Alabama, Mississippi, all-star game. I don't know if anybody had a better run over that period of time. So I think that McKinstry's athleticism, um, his ability to play both sides of the ball, the ball skills are certainly there. The only question was really, can he cover consistently? What about his hips? You know, I spoke to Lev Holly, who was actually the DB coach during that Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Week, and he said, don't you dare consider anybody else for the number one player in the state. He said, don't you dare think that this kid is an athlete and not a corner. He said, the hips check out, everything checks out, in terms of his coverage ability today. And that was really the only question mark we had because he plays basketball, because he plays wide receiver. But I think him solidifying that over the last really six, seven weeks, you could easily make the argument that he's the crown jewel of the class. And there's no doubt there's no better athlete committed to Alabama right now. Another guy, you know, we, we, go, we go to underrated, maybe the most underrated prospect in this class. My, my, I mean, my pick for this one, and maybe, maybe a sleeper, is Damon Payne, right? I mean, you, you mentioned it, John. There's, there's 11 SI-99 guys, and all of them, you know, could, could be that guy. Um, I'm, I'm going to roll it for, I think, for a guy that I think is a sleeper and potentially maybe even instant, even instant impact. I think Damon Payne is up there, man, right? Like, he's, he's violent. He, you know, he gets, you know, at the point of attack, um, he's, you know, he's he's a nightmare for opposing quarterbacks. Um, he's massive, huge frame. Uh, I think Damon Payne is a guy who, um, you know, is is that you know that classic you know Nick Saban um, kind of nose tackle, uh, similar to Tim Keenan, right? I mean, Tim Keenan is more so maybe a Terrence Cody style you know player, but 
Um, I think Damon Payne's a guy who could see the field early and, and, and really be, you know, this kind of underrated get for the Crimson Tide. Look, again, <laughs> this is another SI-99 guy. Look, he's a top three interior defensive lineman in the country for us, you know. So uh, I don't know if underrated is the right term, but under-discussed for sure. Um, you know, Payne kind of – his recruitment was open and shut. He's out in the state of Michigan. You know, we didn't get a ton of fresh looks at a guy like that. But, you know, you're talking 6'4", 295. Moves incredibly, incredibly well, strong at the point of attack. Um, this is a prospect who you can't help but get excited about. Um, clearly the anchor of this defensive line hall, the traditional defensive line hall for Alabama. You mentioned Keenan, uh, good player, plug-and-play, run-stuffer, goal-line, wide-body. And then Anquin Barnes, more of a hybrid between Payne and Keenan. Um a great pound for pound athlete. You know, he this kid this kid is like, you know, six four, six five, what have you, three hundred pounds, and he looks two sixty. Um, I think physically, if if there's a, a kid who, you know, you look back at three years and say, Why weren't we talking about him? I think actually Anquin Barnes could be that prospect. But there's no doubt that Payne is the headliner among those interior defensive linemen and now you can you can come combine and complement those edge rushers with that group, right? Dallas Turner. You got uh, Keanu Carr. Deontay Lawson can rush the passer from the outside. Monkel Goodwine is an inside-out prospect, another SI-99 type of kid. So, uh, you know, he might be your Jonathan Allen type in this class. So I think this is a great group. Look, it's the number one class in, in the country. So we can spend 20 minutes on maybe any of these prospects. And, and now when you get – a flip of Jalen Milrow, you get the commitment of Kamar Whedon. Now you kind of have every position group accounted for. That was, that was you know, two, three months ago, those were the questions around Alabama. Can they land their quarterback? Are they going to take a running back? What about the secondary group? You know, do, are they going to have an alpha corner in this group? You know, now all of those answers are yes. So every major position is certainly accounted for. You even got a tight end out of it. Uh, so this class is not only number one because of the amount of SI-99 guys, the amount of premium position guys, but also the, the balance, also the balance that uh, this class presents. You know, you want to be able to theoretically field a, a whole unit, you know, on offensive defense with your class. And Alabama can pretty much do that at this point um, with, with those recent additions, um, especially important to that cause. Yeah, you mentioned Anquin Barnes. I mean, just an incredible showing at the Alabama-Mississippi State All-Star game uh, earlier this month. And, John, before we get you out of here again, thanks for coming on here, man, and, you know, hope you have a great Christmas. I, I'm curious, you know, Alabama was able to get, you know, the large majority of the guys they wanted, right? Like, I mean, you, you've, it's, it's very rare to, to for Alabama to go after a hard prospect, really hardcore, and for that prospect to turn them down. But there were a couple. There, there, were, there were a handful this cycle. Who's a guy in this class that you think may be the biggest miss for Alabama? Oh, wow, what a question. <laughs> what a question there. You know, I think when you talk about building a class, I always – you know, naturally start at the quarterback position. Uh, this year at quarterback was special. Um, one of the best quarterback years I've covered. <laughs> when we constructed the first SI-99, I think 11 quarterbacks made it. So, And there were a couple others right there on the doorstep. Um, so I think 
not landing one of those elite guys on the surface um, was was probably where I would go. Uh, not necessarily a weakness. Look, Jalen Milrow is a legitimate dual threat. He's been relatively productive at a high level in Texas. You know, is he ready in 2021? No. Does Bama need him to be ready in 2021? Probably not. Um, it's hard to follow up a class where you bring in a Bryce Young. Remember how hard it was for Bama to recruit quarterbacks after after that Tua and Mac Jones class, yeah. rightfully so. So you expect a bit of a up and down, but I was surprised they weren't more of a factor for some of the elite quarterbacks. They really weren't in it for Caleb Williams. They finished number two for Miller Moss. They were in the ball game for Garrett Nussmeyer, who obviously has, has ties to Alabama. Um, I thought that was a bit up and down. They weren't major players for, you know, the J.J. McCarthy's of the world, for the Brock Vandergrifts of the world, despite early offers in to, to some of those types. So I, I did think quarterback recruiting was a bit of a, of a marathon versus a sprint. But obviously, you know, if, if, if that's the guy we're going to sort of isolate here, I think that, that actually further illustrates the strength of this class. Because any other class nationally, I mean, if you're talking LSU, if you're talking Ohio State, if you're talking some of the big boys in recruiting, getting a Jalen Milrow is not going to be a footnote in that class. Yet at Alabama, that's what we're sort of getting at here. So I think that was tough for for the Crimson Tide. And then I go back to the secondary. I think before Kool-Aid committed, it's kind of the same situation. Where was that alpha corner? You missed on Jason Marshall. Um, you missed on Jordan Hancock. You missed on Sage Ryan as a, a sort of a nickel safety corner hybrid. Uh, there was some buzz for Bama before he, you know, st- stayed home at LSU. That one I, I thought was going to be, if, if you missed on Kool-Aid, that would be the glaring hole in this class. Not, not in terms of DB accumulation, but that alpha, that alpha corner who, if you need a guy to go in there and just naturally play, you know, who was that guy? Before Kool-Aid, I don't know if Bama had that corner. They have some safeties and some nickel types, but I don't know if they had that cornerback type um, before he committed. So I thought that was a big get. Uh, but that would have certainly been my answer should a Kool-Aid have ended up at, at Auburn uh, or LSU. But obviously, <laughs> Alabama figured that one out uh, as well. So this group, is it's just really strong across the board. Um, any miss Alabama had was seemingly corrected very soon after. Um, you remember when, when when Latham was committed, we were wondering, oh, who was first between Latham and Brockemeyer? Well, well, either it was, way. It was, I think it was, it was Latham. It was Latham. Right. So when the first one was committed, you're like, dang, does this knock out Tommy Brockemeyer for Bama? No, it didn't. And then even after that, there was a little bit of a Marius Mims buzz. You know, so they almost went one, two, three at offensive tackle. So Alabama, my point of that is, Alabama knows how to recover from a perceptive loss. And, and this class has an alpha at every position. We talked about the two tackles. We talked about the edge rushers. On the defensive interior, they went into Michigan and got the, the top prospect in that state. At, at wide receiver, they flipped an LSU commitment. They, they got the biggest alpha on the field among receivers, in my opinion, in Ja'Cory Brooks, just in terms of size, speed, production, blocking, leadership, captain status. Talk to IMG coach Bobby Acosta about Corey Brooks, and, and you better reserve some time. That's how high he is on that prospect. Um, and then you and then you counter that with high upside guys that if they they if the stars align and they hit their marks, they're going to be huge gets in this class. We talked about that 
with a guy like and Quinn Barnes. Uh, in the secondary, I think a guy like uh, Devontae Smith could be that. You talk about that Saban length, he has that. Uh, you talk about a prospect at linebacker, Deontay Lawson. Production is crazy. How does that translate to the SEC coming from a smaller level in the state of Alabama? We'll see, but the foundation is there. A Jai Hall at receiver, again, production is strong. He's very, very raw. How does that shake out with that Bama structure? If, if it booms, he could be another guy just racking up catches and touchdowns as opposed to one who transfers out in two years. So Bama has not only high floor guys, but some high ceiling guys uh, in this class as well. So uh, it's hard to isolate one myth. I would have said quarterback early, uh, cornerback later, but Bama sort of figured it out like they always do. Yeah, for me, I, I, I think – you know, even the I mean, Alabama, I mean, the pass rush. You mentioned Dallas Turner. You mentioned Montel Goodwin. They got that fixed, right? And I think these two guys I'm about to name would have been the luxuries at the end of the day. And you know, that would have been like a Shamar Turner or a Tumiche Adelaye. Those guys would have been, you know, luxuries, like I said. Um, but A and M did a good job really closing the deal there. And those two were kind of guys that I pointed to as like, okay, well, you know, because I know Alabama wanted Shamar really, really bad. Maybe not as bad as Tumiche, but. They wanted they wanted Turner, uh, Shamar Turner, really really bad. Sure, sure. Look, the defensive line group has six prospects right now, and and you you'd be hard pressed to sub any one of those out for a Turner or an Adelaide. Um, and I think you 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 didn't get them, but you got their skill set. Uh, I think if you're looking for that inside out guy, you know we've got Marquez Goodwine ranked higher than than Adelaide. And if you're looking for more of a pass rusher. You know, we're higher on, on Dallas Turner, and we're right there with Caught in terms of a guy getting after it from the edge. We already talked about Payne and Barnes as, and Keenan as big bodies on the interior. But if you're talking edge guys, you know, Bama got the better duo of, of Dallas Turner and Keanu Caught from the state of, of Florida. But, again, it's it's really uh, tomato-tomato. Um, and that's the point. That's the point if you're Alabama. If you do miss on 1A, you get one B or vice versa. And that's how you put together a balanced recruiting class. Um, and obviously that's what Bama does. And that's why, uh, again, this number one group, even if Ohio State hits all their marks down the stretch, it's going to be tough because we know Bama's not necessarily done either. Yeah, that, this is what I was going to bring up, John. Our last talking point is, you know, we mentioned Alabama's success in the state of Texas and specifically North Shore High School. You know, last year they got Damian George, who has seen some playing time this year, right? And some garbage time, he's been good. And it looks like Alabama's going to strike uh, gold again in, in the Houston area with Jaden Roberts. You know, he's going to announce on Christmas Day, and, and we're still waiting. Now, we do expect him to be in the Alabama class. And, you know, he's about six foot five, 340 pounds. You look at him, and he's just – he screams to me, John. He looks like another version of – Deontay Brown, right, like at Alabama right now, who's who's going to be leaving after this year. He he looks like him. He's he's you know Alabama still wants another interior guy, and he fits this mold perfectly. There's no doubt. Um, we mentioned how strong that tackle group is. So so yeah, what is what is the rest of the excuse me, <clears throat> what is the rest of the interior going to look like? And Shaden Roberts, he's one of the guys that we were really really considering for that SI-99 in the preseason. He was right there. He's probably the SI-101, 102, something like that. Um, we just love his strengths. I think a lot of times in recruiting, um, in our industry, we get sort of enamored with the ceiling guys and the pure athletes. 
but there's still so much to be said for those guys who are just really, 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 really good at one thing. Doesn't mean he's not good at other things, but there's there's one strike that's so good, and that's Roberts in the phone booth. He is a road grader. You do not want to deal with him head up. Um, and we know Bama with that strong side guard, they don't ask them to move around a ton. You know, the tackles, yes. The the backside guards, oftentimes, yes. Even the center, we've seen get out of the move a little bit. Not so much that strong side guard, and, and I think that's the spot, like you mentioned, that Deontay Brown currently occupied. I saw Brown a lot coming out of, of North Alabama in high school. I actually watched a game standing next to Mario Cristobal with Deontay, and for three hours we were just chopping it up on, on O-linemen and, and why this is the type of kid you need on your roster. And, and there are similarities between Brown and Roberts. Uh, not only phone booth power, but that body composition that you know can change and kind of get, get twitched up a little bit at Alabama, especially under the new strength and conditioning staff. Um, so we're, we were already high on Jaden Roberts. We were higher on Roberts than, than a Terrence Ferguson, which is not, you know, we don't share that with the rest of the industry. But uh, I like Ferguson on the move. I like Roberts in the phone booth, um, you know, better. So I think that's, that's the difference there. We, we value floor a lot here at SI, and Roberts among offensive linemen has one of the highest floors in the class relative to what you're going to ask him to do. Um, so you add in the fact that it's Christmas, you add in the fact that he's a former Auburn commitment, and it's going to feel that much sweeter if and when he picks Alabama. And Tyler, I don't know how much more room they can have in this class, but Terry and Arnold is still out there. There's a couple other very, very good prospects available. So any addition here is really icing on the cake, um, but, but we know Alabama doesn't settle in the recruiting process, we still got, what, six weeks until February signing day. So we know they're going to try to make some moves in between now and then. But if you round out your offensive line class with Jaden Roberts, you have your legitimate front five with Brockemeyer and Latham at tackle, James Brockemeyer at center. You, you go with Roberts, strong side guard, Ferguson on the backside where he can move and get to the second level. And that's, that's an offensive line that next year I think – 50 of the 60-something Power 5 programs would say, you know what, sign me up for that, even though they're all teenagers. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and, and this is a, I mean, obviously this is a need, right? Alabama's losing three offensive linemen next year, and, uh, and, and a couple of these guys could see playing time as early as 2021. Um, but you mentioned that, you know, Jaden's a former Auburn commitment, and uh, it's, you know, it's going to be sweet for Alabama fans uh, if he's able, if they're able to secure his signature uh, Friday at uh, at three o'clock. He'll be announcing that on Christmas Day, so it'll be a nice Christmas present for Alabama fans. John, thank you so much for coming on here, man. Hope you have a great Christmas, and I hope I hope you get everything on your wish list, man. <laughs> hey, all I wanted this year was football, and we got that thankfully. Uh, playoffs coming up, so so I'm pumped. I appreciate you, Tyler. Uh, likewise, uh, say hello to the family and. Uh, yeah, we'll see you uh, at the end of this year, if not uh, in 2021. It's crazy as that. I, I guess too, uh, before you before you get you off, um, every I mean, when, whenever we have the guests on here, when we've been talking about this over the last few weeks with the Heisman race, uh, John, you get a Heisman vote. Is it going to Devontae Smith or someone else? It's Devontae Smith. Uh, he's been the best player in college football all season long. He is the, the toughest prospect to game plan for, yet he still gets his. Uh, despite game planning for him. And he's, and he's not one of these receivers that gets a lot of handoffs or gadget plays. It is a lot of straight-up 
I'm better than you football. Uh, line up and stop me with one or two or three guys. And nobody's been able to do it. So, for me, it's, it's Devontae Smith. Uh, I, I go to some quarterbacks after that. Najee Harris deserves – I don't know how many to bring into New York, but he deserves a seat. I mean, he has been the best running back in the country as a runner and receiver, which Bama fans who have known me, I've, I've been trumpeting that since, since he was a, a teenager. Um, you know, it's been a heck of a year for Alabama. They have three legitimate Heisman finalists, but it's time for a non-quarterback. Uh, and it's time for a guy who deserves it about uh, as much as anybody, Devontae Smith. W- what a way he could bookend his career, right? Freshman year, walk-off national title catch, senior year, Heisman Trophy slash whatever Bama does in the playoff. Uh, so, so give me Smitty. Yeah, just just wanted to get your opinion on that before we get you out of here because they are announcing the finals on Christmas Eve. And, and by the time this is released, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see Mac, we'll see Devontae definitely, probably Trevor Lawrence, and maybe Najee. But, John, thanks again for coming on here, man, and we appreciate all of your insight. For John Garcia, Jr., I'm Tyler Martin. This has been the All Things Bama Podcast.